Hey, this is Stephen, and I want to welcome you or welcome you back to the Grove Church Podcast. For more information or to find more resources like this one, be sure to visit us at grove.org. Thanks for listening, and I hope the following message is encouraging and meaningful to your life. Well, good morning and welcome to The Grove. I want to echo what Allie said at the beginning of our service. If this is your first time with us this morning or first time back in a while, just so glad to have you here. If you've been traveling this summer, welcome back or welcome home. We love having you with us this morning. We are kicking off a new sermon series called Comparison Trap. And oftentimes when we're preparing or I'm preparing or Allie's preparing for a sermon series, We do a lot of research, we do some self-introspection, we talk to people about the issue or the topics that we're going to be talking about, but most of the time it feels like something outside of ourselves that we're preparing on y'all's behalf, just to be honest. And then there are times, like with this sermon series, as I've reflected on it and prepared for it, I've been confronted with the reality of my own life and how much this is probably a sermon series just for me. And maybe if you just want to listen in on the conversation I'm about to have with myself, maybe it'll be beneficial to you. But I've noticed that as I've been thinking more about the way that we compare to other people, and that's what we're going to be talking about for the next couple of weeks, I've recognized this theme throughout my entire life. As far back as I can remember, I have compared myself to other people. I've looked left and I've looked right and I've measured myself in relationship to everybody else across every possible category. Starting as far back as elementary school or middle school, it was, well, am I more popular than this person? Well, I seem to be less popular than this person, and uh, I'm not as smart as this one, but I'm smarter than those people, and so I'm trying to understand my place in the world or in my relative world in relationship to all the people around me, and this happens as we get older. So you go into high school and you're still trying to do the same. Well, I'm a better athlete than him, but well, definitely not a better athlete than all of those guys. And so, okay, well, maybe I'm this place on the totem pole. And you continue to do this. And as you get older, unfortunately, it doesn't stop. Just the categories in which you get to compare yourselves change. So it's like, well, am I, am I as successful as this person? Or is my house as nice? Well, they just remodeled theirs, and we should probably remodel ours because our kitchen is looking a little dated and old. And I didn't realize our kitchen looked old until I went to their house and saw their kitchen. And that made me realize how much we needed to do some work in our house. And you begin to compare over and over and over. And then as you get older, you not only compare yourself to other people, but you begin to compare your people to other people's people. And so you're like, wow. His wife, she's in really good shape. I, uh, huh, maybe we should go to the gym, honey. And we start to do some of those things. And don't look at the person sitting next to you this morning if you came with the spouse. Just eyes straight ahead. And then you start to maybe compare your children. You're like, wow, their kids, they got onto that team or they got accepted to that school or they made that. Ooh, maybe my kids need to study more. And it begins to mess with us because we're trying to be better than the people around us in maybe one or several categories. But what I've noticed in my own life, and maybe you've noticed this in your life, is the more I begin to compare myself to certain people, like something gross and ugly starts happening on the inside, both in terms of the way I feel about other people that I don't know and about the way that I feel about my own people. So, for example... What I have realized that I've done over the last 
12 to 18 months is I'll get on my phone and I'll pull up Instagram and I'll look at what other pastors at other churches are doing. And I'll scroll and be like, oh, that's pretty cool. That's a good idea. Maybe we should do that or that. And I start to pay attention to and compare myself and our church with other pastors and other people's churches. Maybe you have this in your own industry, your own sphere. Maybe it's in your yoga class or your CrossFit class. You start to look at other people and evaluate yourself. Well, I do this uh, on Instagram with other pastors. And what I've noticed happens is that there is a handful of pastors who are really famous and really successful. And they've got huge followings online and they've got big churches and they always seem to do the coolest things. And I have noticed that I have become more and more jealous of these people. And I'm like, well, gosh, well, maybe, how come we're not like this? And why am I not? And I mean, I seem to be funnier than this guy or, you know, maybe I dress better than this. You know, I'm like doing this internal monologue about, why they have what they have and I don't have what they have. And it starts to, and so then like this ugly thing starts to happen where I, I start to dislike them and I'm like, ah, oh, I don't wanna see another video of them. I don't, want, I don't care how many people came to your you know, party that you threw for your church. I start to like wish bad things for them. Like if I'm being really honest, I'm like, well, I, maybe some of those people will leave that church and come to our church, that'd be cool. And that's like, that, right, like, I'm afraid, like I'm embarrassed to admit it, but that's the truth. Like I start to wish ill for them. And then just since we're all being honest this morning, then I start to kind of think bad about us. And I'm like, well, how come we're in this place and why don't we have or we do or, and then I kind of start to think badly about some of y'all. And I'm like, well, if we had better people, <laughs> hey, I'm just being honest this morning. I mean, this is just kind of where it's at. I've had a little bit of time away. I'm back. I'm ready to be honest with y'all. I appreciate the free therapy session. But we, we, we do this. And so as I was preparing for this sermon series, I realized that I've got a problem. Like I've, it's ugly. It's, it's not just a funny thing that we can laugh about together, but like it's a heart issue. Like there's some gross stuff on the inside of me related to my need to compare myself to other people. And so what I did is I just unfollowed all of those pastors and all of those churches. I was like, all right, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna not look at it and maybe then I'll have maybe some, some ability to not compare myself. My guess is, is if this is something that I struggle with, there may be some of you here this morning who you do the same thing. You're tempted to look left or look right, to compare yourself to the people around you, to get some sense of self-worth and value and meaning about how you're doing in relationship to other people. Because what's interesting is our success only means something to us in relationship to other people. We kind of use this illusion of like, well, no, I just care about self-improvement and I want to be the best me that I can be. And, you know, and there might be a hint of that that is true, but that's actually not what surveys say. And that's not what the research and the data says. There was a study that was done about a decade ago in the United Kingdom, and they were trying to understand the impact that wealth had on people's happiness. And so they did all of these studies and they got 80,000 people together to evaluate and understand how an increase in wealth would contribute to or not contribute to their happiness. And the reason that they were doing this is they recognized that the wealthiest nations we're not the happiest nations. And what was the gap about? 
And so as they did this research, they found that it wasn't the increase in wealth that made somebody happier. It was the increase in wealth compared to the people in their immediate circles that made them happier. So if everyone in your circle got a bonus, that bonus did not make you happier. But if you were the only person in your circle that got a bonus, all of a sudden that bonus would be meaningful and would contribute to your happiness. The reason is because we're always comparing ourselves and trying to understand our identity in relationship to the people around us and particularly the people closest to us. But the problem is, and the reason we've called this series Comparison Trap, is because this whole phenomenon that we do, the way that we compare ourselves, is actually a trap. Because the truth is that even if you're really successful, even if you've got the best family in the kind of the sphere that you kind of operate in, even if you've got the prettiest house on your block, the truth is there's always somebody or someone more blank than you. And you can fill in the blank, whatever it is the thing that you find yourself comparing yourself to other people about the most. For me, there's always someone with a bigger church than me. There'll always be somebody with a bigger church. There'll always be a pastor with a bigger following than me. Maybe for you, it's, there's always gonna be somebody with a larger practice or a happier family or more successful children. There's always somebody just ahead of you. I don't know if you've ever gone running in a public area. I used to jog on the Katy Trail. And what I would notice that I would do is as I was jogging, I'd point out the person who was just ahead of me and I'd speed up to try to catch them. And then when I would catch them, I would feel good about myself until I realized that there was another person just ahead of them. And so then I would speed up to try to catch them. And then of course, there would be somebody ahead of them. And so what you realize is you keep speeding up, but there's always somebody further ahead. There's never any end to this comparison. No matter how much you achieve or how much you gain or who you are or what you have, there's always gonna be someone with more than you. And so if we're basing our happiness and we're basing our sense of satisfaction and joy in this life on our relationship and our comparison to the other people around us, what we're gonna see is we're never gonna get there. We'll never finally have the happiness, the joy, the fulfillment, the meaning that we want because it's always in the hands of other people. And so the reason we call this series a trap is because our need to compare actually traps us. A trap is something that's easy to enter and it's really difficult to escape. And that thinks that's what's happening with comparison. It is so tempting to compare. It is so easy to compare yourself to other people. You look left, you're like, oh, I'm better than them. But then you look right and you're like, well, I'm not as good as them. And so you can't escape. You never find the end of it because there's always someone more than you in some category or categories in your life. So what do we do? If this is the phenomenon that we experience, what do we do? Well, I decided that I would turn to scripture and say, all right, God, there's some gross stuff happening inside of me. There's this stuff going on in my heart and my need and desire and want to compare myself to other people. Lord, surely you have a solution to this. Surely there's something that you've shared in scripture that could point us in the right direction. And the good news this morning is there is, otherwise it'd be a really short ser sermon. You just hear that you're stuck with this desire to compare and have a happy Sunday. We're not gonna leave you there. 
And so what we're going to look at is a passage from a book in Scripture called Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is written by a man named Solomon. Solomon, Scripture say, is the wisest man who ever lived. And at the time period of you know, the ancient Israelites, he was the wealthiest man who ever lived. And so what you have is the guy who's probably more everything than everybody in here. He had more money, more wisdom, achieved more with the things that he built, the civilizations that he developed than any of us could ever do. He had hundreds of wives and a whole harem of women. So as attractive as you think you are and successful as you think you are with the opposite sex, Solomon's got you beat. He's more everything than everybody. And so in this book of Ecclesiastes, he starts to write down his observations. The tone and the sense that we get from reading it is it's likely that Solomon was probably at the end of his life. And he's kind of looking back on the life that he's lived and the observations that he's made about humanity because ultimately someone that wise was a student of human behavior. He identified and recognized patterns in the people around him, patterns in the world and the way we live. Maybe some of you do this in your own lives as well. You've been able to draw conclusions about how people operate based on your observations. Solomon does this and records all of this in a book called Ecclesiastes. And so I want to walk us through just a particular passage where Solomon begins to address this issue of comparison. He begins to address his observations about how we constantly compare ourselves to other people and how ultimately it really is a trap that we can't escape. So Solomon starts it off by saying this, and I observed that most people are motivated to success because they envy their neighbors. Solomon says that all competition, all achievement, all hard work, at its very core, if you dial it in far enough and deep enough, stems from our need to be better than the people around us. We look left, we look right, we observe what they have, how they're doing, what their life is like, and that motivates us to try harder, to do more, to become more. Psalmist says everything, you can count on this, everything that people do, all of their efforts, ultimately is based on a desire be better than their neighbors. And you could insert neighbors to your family or, you know, your office or your group of friends. But Solomon says comparison is the thing that motivates all of our hard work and efforts. But as we'll see, there's a problem in that. And I observe that most people are motivated to success because they envy their neighbors. But this, in addition to some other things he said earlier in the chapter, this too is meaningless. Your need to compare yourself to others and that being the motivation for your life, that does not ever get you to a place of satisfaction. You never arrive. There's always someone who is more blank than you. And because of this, that type of living is empty. It's hollow, it's meaningless, and it's absent of any joy, satisfaction, or peace. Solomon uses this little word picture to describe what this effort to compare ourselves to other people is like. He says it's meaningless and it's like chasing the wind. You could imagine what that would be like if the wind started to pick up and you went outside and you ran around trying to chase it. You would imagine how stupid we would all look if I dismissed us and we all went outside and we tried to chase and catch the wind. It's pointless. It's impossible. 
you're never able to do it. And Solomon says, when you live this way, when you live in this attempt to compare yourselves to others and become better than others, you, you've got a meaningless, pointless existence that you will never, never be able to come to the end of. So you say, okay, great, Stephen. I, I'm now inclined just to give up and not do anything. If I'm, if I'm not supposed to better myself, if I'm not supposed to improve based on my relationship with other people, then maybe we just shouldn't, maybe we shouldn't do anything. Maybe we should just give up. Well, Solomon says, no, don't do that either. There's a, there's a middle ground between these two alternatives, and Solomon says it this way. He says, fools, they fold their hands and ruin themselves. When you just give up and you resign out of life, if you look left and right and realize that you're never going to be as fill-in-the-blank as somebody else, if that persuades you, inclines you just to stop trying, Solomon says, that ends in ruin. That's no better than spending your life chasing after that. Some of you, you've had experiences in life, you've experienced failures or setbacks that have persuaded you that maybe you should just stop trying. You're never going to have a successful relationship you're never going to have that career you dreamed of. You're never going to have kids like you see your friends having kids. And so maybe we should just fold our hands and give up. Just throw in the towel and say, well, since I can't have it like them, then I just don't want it. Solomon says, no, don't do that. That just ends in ruin for yourselves. That's no better than chasing after the wind and trying to compare yourself to other people. So this is the solution that Solomon gives us. He says, better is one handful with tranquility than two fistfuls with toil and chasing the wind. There are three options. Either your hands are folded and you don't try, or you have two fistfuls and you're trying as hard as you can, which is like chasing the wind, and Solomon says, neither of those alternatives is a good one. They're both empty, they're both meaningless, and they're both pointless. And so Solomon says, the wise thing to do, the right way to live, is one handful. It's not as much as you could hold. It's not everything that you could accomplish. You will leave things on the table you will have to watch as other people have more than you or achieve more than you or become and do more than you. But Solomon says, if you want to avoid the comparison trap, you have to accept life in between. You have to accept one-handed living. One handful, Solomon says, is the place of perspective and of balance and of significance because if you give up, then what's the point? But if you spend all of your life trying to get more and more and more and more, Solomon says there's never an end. That's a trap that you cannot escape. And so Solomon says what I think people should do is to learn to be satisfied with one handful. Solomon goes on in his writing. He says, next I saw another example of something meaningless just as meaningless as people living with two fistfuls chasing after the wind. He says, there are people who are utterly alone with no companions, not even a child or a sibling. It's just them. And yet they work hard without end, never satisfied with their success. 
Solomon says, I've also observed another category of people who are so focused on achieving and becoming that their life has become one-dimensional. And maybe it's not achievement and success professionally. Maybe for you it's achievement and success with your family or just achievement and success with your children. Or maybe it's achievement and success with your image, the way you look. Solomon says, when you, when you live that way, so focused on achievement and success in one category, at the expense of every other part and component of your life, you become one-dimensional. And your life, just like the other examples, is meaningless. And so Solomon continues in his observation. He says, these people who live this way, they get to the end of their life and they ask, who am I working for? Why am I doing this? Why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? Solomon says, this too is meaningless and a terrible obsession. Have you ever stopped to ask yourself that question? Have you ever found yourself frustrated by all of the effort that you're going through? All of the striving and running and chasing after the wind and you push yourself harder and further and longer than you ever thought you could and you, at some point, maybe it's out loud, maybe it's to yourself, maybe it's to your spouse. Why are we doing this? Like, what is this all for? Like, what is the point of all of this hurry and all of this hustle and all of this running and gunning and not having family dinners and our kids are frustrated and cranky and tired and we're not sleeping and we're frustrated and cranky and tired and then we go to work and everybody there is just as frustrated and cranky as tired as we are and everybody's just unhappy. Why are we, why are we living this way? What's the point of all this? Solomon says this is meaningless and it's a terrible obsession. So where are you in this? Is there a category of your life that you recognize that you're caught in the comparison trap? Is there some area that you're beginning to identify that you recognize that you're living your life based on your comparison to other people? If you haven't identified one, I'm going to help you here in a second. I'm going to ask you a series of questions. Uh, and for some of you, these questions will ruin the rest of your afternoon. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, but the hope is ultimately that they help illuminate maybe the categories and areas of your life that you are caught in this trap. Do you feel trapped physically? Are you exhausted? Are you worn out? Are you so tired that you no longer enjoy all of the things that you're doing that make you tired? Is all you want is a couple of hours alone and a nap? Would that be your perfect version of an afternoon is just away from everybody else, no one talking to you, and you just get to be with you and not have to do anything? Are you trapped physically? Not like in an actual box, but like <laughs> with your energy. What about financially? Do you feel trapped financially? Do you have any margin in your bank account? Are you living minimum payment to minimum payment? Are you broke, wondering where the money is going to come from? I recognize that there are other 
contributing factors to our financial situations, sometimes unexpected emergencies, things that we have to pay for, sometimes a job loss, that all contributes. But if you were really honest, at the core of your financial situation, is it because you're trying to live beyond your means, because you're comparing yourself to other people? You didn't really have the money for that remodel, but you sure would be proud to show your friends no, we couldn't quite afford that vacation, but we'll pay it off this year. And we got to post some great pictures on social media about it. Are you trapped financially? What about emotionally? Are you doing what I'm doing with certain people? You, you notice that your heart is starting to harden? There's some ugliness going on inside of you. Kind of hope that maybe there are some people around you that fail. You'd never really want to admit that, but you maybe kind of hope they fail so then you could feel better about yourself. Do you find yourself anxious, irritated, irritable, always taking your frustration out on other people? It's hard for you to be satisfied by the things that happen in your life or the people in your life. Nothing's ever good enough. You just always feel frustrated might be a sign that you're trapped. What about relationally? Are you constantly comparing the people in your life to other people's people? Are you able to fully appreciate your spouse, or your boyfriend or girlfriend? Or are you constantly comparing them to how great somebody else's is? What about your kids? Can you fully appreciate and enjoy your children? Or do you secretly kind of wish that they could do as much as some other people's kids do? And because of that, that's constantly causing you in that comparison to want to push them, challenge them, ask more of them than maybe they're actually capable of doing because you wish they were more like them. Kids, do you feel this way about your parents? Do you kind of wish that your mom or dad was like somebody else's mom or dad? They're so much cooler, they're so much more fun, they're not as strict. They let them eat ice cream late at night. Do you feel that way about your parents that, wow, everybody else seems to have better parents than me or a better sibling? I wish I could exchange my sibling for another sibling. Feel that way? Uh-huh. What about the last one? Are you trapped spiritually? Is there some sense in you that God hasn't been fair to you? That maybe God's given somebody else or other people more than God's given you? We're gonna talk about this more next week, but do you feel slighted by God that causes you to maybe build up some resentment, some anger, some inability to have a relationship with God like you'd like to have because you feel like God's been better to other people than God's been to you? If so, you might be trapped. Ultimately, this comparison, this trap that we're in while we laugh and joke about it, it's a spiritual issue. It's something that goes on in our hearts. And what I've noticed is when we live with two fists, two fistfuls in turmoil, we don't have any open hands to receive what God is trying to do in our life. In a moment, we're gonna invite you down to celebrate communion together, which at its very core is a celebration of what God has done for us. 
But if you're living like this, you don't have an open hand for us to put the bread in. You don't have an open hand for you to receive what God is doing in your life because you're still upset about how what you have isn't enough compared to everybody else. So as I pray for us, I hope that you'll begin to think about the ways that you compare yourself to other people. And over the next couple of weeks, we're gonna talk about how we get out of this trap. But as you come down this morning, and as you extend your hand for us to place the bread in it, I hope that maybe symbolically, on some spiritual level, you'll recognize that as an opportunity to release one hand, to open up and to truly live with just one handful and then be able to accept what God's doing in your life. Let me pray for us. Gracious God, we come to you in these moments acknowledging your love for us, a love that wants the very best for us. Sometimes, God, we get confused by what the very best for us means. It is easy for us to look left and right and to compare ourselves to other people and to miss out on all that we truly have. God, help us to live with just one handful, not to fold our hands and not to live with fists clenched, but with one hand and in relationship with you. God, begin to work on our hearts. Help us let go of our need to compare ourselves and help us to receive all that you have to offer. We pray this in the name of Jesus, amen. Hey, thanks again for listening. If you live in the Dallas area, we would love for you to visit us. For directions, service times, and more info, visit us at grove.org.